The solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the reality that Mary, from the moment of her conception in her mother's womb, St. Anne, was free from sin, no original sin, and for her entire life, no personal sin. That she was totally consecrated and given over to the Lord in every possible way imagined. Her passions, her will, were all set apart for God. She didn't have to deal with our, like we do, with our disordered passions. We call that fancy word concupiscence. Mary was free of concupiscence. Mary's perpetual virginity is part of this feast day. That Mary remained a virgin her entire life, before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. This past Wednesday, December 6th, we celebrated as a church the Feast of St. Nicholas. December 6th, the Feast of St. Nicholas. Yesterday, Thursday, December 7th, we celebrated the Feast of St. Ambrose. St. Ambrose is the great bishop from Milan, Italy, in the 4th century. And I think this trifecta of feasts, trifecta, that comes from horse racing, so maybe we would call it the hat trick of feasts, St. Nicholas, St. Ambrose, and the Immaculate Conception today, I believe it has something to teach us, especially in regards to chastity, purity, and virginity. St. Nicholas lived in the 4th century. He was the Bishop of Mira, which is modern-day Turkey. And the tradition of giving presents on the Feast of St. Nicholas is attributed to real events in the life of St. Nicholas. In the town that Nicholas was bishop, there was a poor widower who had three daughters of marrying age. And they were so poor that he couldn't afford a dowry to have his three daughters married. And there was a real risk of them having to succumb and give their lives for prostitution in order to survive. This news, this information came to St. Nicholas, the holy and good bishop. And one night, secretively, he went down the alley and threw in a bag of coins, of money, enabling the oldest daughter to get married. A little while later, again at night, in the darkness, the good holy bishop went by the same house and threw in another bag of coins and money for the second daughter to be married. And then likewise, a little while later, he did the same for the third daughter so that she could be married. This story expresses the value of chastity and that sexual activity is reserved for marriage. St. Nicholas wanted to make sure that these young women were able to remain chaste and that they would have happy, healthy, and holy marriages with someone who loved them. St. Ambrose, the holy bishop, like I said, also lived during the 4th century but a little later than St. Nicholas. And he wrote beautifully, quite a bit, in fact, on 
the state of virginity and consecrated life. It is said that he preached so well and so eloquently of virginity that many mothers and fathers wouldn't allow their daughters to hear him preach because inevitably they'd leave wanting to dedicate themselves to the Lord as a consecrated woman. Our world today doesn't value these virtues of chastity. It doesn't value a life of virginity. In fact, it sneers at them. It makes fun of them. It actually celebrates the vices that are opposed to them. Our Blessed Mother's Immaculate Conception is a model for us. None of us was immaculately conceived. We're not sinless. We do have to deal with concupiscence. We have to deal with our disordered passions. But we still want to be holy. We still want to be chaste. We still want to value the lives of virginity lived by our priests and our religious. Our faith tells us that these virtues are important. Therefore, we must continue to create in our homes and in our parish a culture that fosters chastity, where it's easier for our young people to remain chaste. A culture, in fact, where it is taboo to live together before people are married. That it's something that we just don't do as Catholics. I've told the story before, but one summer... I think it was in between my years playing junior hockey, I was home, and we had a family dinner Sunday night, as we normally would. And at the end of my, our meal, my dad said, you said, kids, I will support you and your marriage, and I will even help pay for it as long as you do two things. One, you marry a Catholic, and two, you do not live together before the wedding. And again, I said before, I, we didn't take this as, oh, these are arbitrary rules imposed on us by an oppressive dictator. No. But from a loving father, guideposts, guidelines, wanting what's best for us. And now I've done all five of my siblings' weddings, all in the Catholic Church. Two of them married people who weren't Catholic, when they met, but converted before their wedding. And none of them lived together. And today, because of the grace of God, all of them are practicing their faith, baptize their children, um, go into Mass. In fact, uh, the oldest grandkid has his first confession tomorrow, so that's kind of exciting for us, his first confession tomorrow. We need to build a culture that fosters vocations to religious life and the priesthood holding up virginity as the more perfect state in life, an exceptional way to live, a life consecrated to God. Friends, please help me to continue to build in our homes and in our parish and our schools a culture that promotes chastity and holy marriages and encourages vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, pray for us.